Hi everyone, we are back with another episode of our podcast allowing you to get to know people working behind the scenes of the crypto industry. Today we are joined by Tom Getty, the Chief Marketing Officer of Simon Sports. Simon Sports is the virtual sports metaverse that fuels 24-7 fantasy sports and sports betting action with NFT players and Hall of Fame owners. Welcome to the 99th episode of the Inside Crypto Podcast. This episode was recorded on September 8th, 2022. Today we dive into what could possibly be the next iteration of blockchain gaming. Tom explains how Simon is giving us sports to watch every single day of the year and have an ownership in the sports that we care about. I would also like to thank my employer Omen Tokens for making podcasts like this happen. Please don't forget to check us out and our products at tokens.amun.com. Thanks everyone for listening. And don't forget to tune in next week. We help you get to grips with what is going on in the cryptocurrency universe. Hey everyone, I hope you are having a wonderful week so far. We are here with the latest episode of the Inside Crypto Show. Interviews and discussion with regular people just like yourselves. Today we are joined by Tom Getty, the Chief Marketing Officer of Simulant Sports. Simon Sports is the virtual sports metaverse that fuels 24-7 fantasy sports and sports betting action with NFT players and Hall of Fame owners. We have to do the usual disclaimer, anything said by either Tom or myself does not constitute financial advice. Our opinions are our own and not to be connected with our respective organizations. Everyone, please do your own research. It's just Tom on the show today, so we get to spend more time talking about his background, how he got to where he is today. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us about yourself. I appreciate you having me on, Kian. It's a, a great opportunity. I actually am a 30-year veteran of video games and real money gaming. I started my career at a little company in the U.S. called Humongous Entertainment that was well-known for children's sports games, backyard baseball, backyard football, backyard soccer. And those became quite the cult classics over the years and are still referenced in, in American sports culture here, which is fun. I moved on from there and went to Wizards the coast the makers of magic the gathering and dungeons and dragons i was there during the pokemon trading card game boom when the company went from 175 million dollars a year to 750 million in a single year so just crazy growth experience then i moved on to ea sports that's the first time i worked with david ortiz who's the founder of simwin sports i was there for 13 years at the last seven of which i managed marketing across sports globally as the global vp of product brand and athlete marketing before moving on and doing a, another fantasy sports and sports betting startup again with David Ortiz, my second tour. And then we exited that successfully and I went on to DraftKings. I was the chief marketing officer at DraftKings, launched all their first digital sports books here in the States, took them public, uh, and then retired during the pandemic to do board work. And I've been on the board of this company, uh, Simwin Sports, since inception, so almost four years and joined full-time uh, about nine or ten months ago to get this thing launched. So we're having a really great time out here and a lot of fun, and we're getting ready for our American football launch. So it's all coming together at the right time. Like when I was approached about having you on the show, I was like, oh, my God, because I'm a gamer. I also spent six years in Massachusetts, so I'm very familiar with David Ortiz. Uh, yes. So it's awesome. And there's so many questions. I could just talk about literally your background for the entire part of the show. Unfortunately, as much as I'd love to, we've got so many other things to talk about. But for these sort of introductory questions, I always like to ask people, you came from EEA and EEA was moving into sort of like microtransactions, which is what things are moving into in the NFT space, like somewhat connected in a sense. But what I like to ask people is, what was that push into NFTs and crypto for you? What was that memory? What was that thing somebody told you or one of your kids or a cousin or something? You read something like, how did you get to some win sports 
Sure. No, I'll tell you my personal story, and then I'll tell you the Simlin Sports story, which because they're not completely aligned. For me personally, David, like I said, I've been advising on this business because of my video game and real money gaming background for quite some time. David actually was the one to make the choice to build on Web3 Native four years ago, because the reason is that the real purpose of this business, as you said up front, is to fuel fantasy sports, always available, always on, just like every other format entertainment, right? Movies, music, video games, slot machines, online poker. You can wake up in the middle of the night and play anytime you want. And yet, uh, fantasy sports and sports betting, the largest entertainment sector in the world at $500 billion a year, only operates about 40% of the time because you can't get an athlete to get up and play in the middle of the night. And David's vision originally was to fuel that, and that's what we're delivering. But it was pretty obvious right away that the ownership capabilities of NFTs and Web3 technology, blockchain technology as a whole, is really what we were after. So we actually started in utility four years ago. And like I said, the collectability side and all those kinds of things have really gone crazy and since that time, certainly. But in this new crypto winter, so to speak, utility is what it all comes back to. And so we're sitting in the perfect place because it's unfortunately cleared the market a little bit, but it makes our path easier to get attention, get funding, and really move to the next level because really what our product is about is ownership and distributed ownership across fan bases. Like I said, the timing is great and the product is great. We're excited to start sharing it. Nice. And you mentioned your personal story. Yeah. Like I said, I've been consulting on this for four years. So I was at DraftKings while this was going on. I was in charge of marketing when the pandemic hit and sports dried up, like everyone stopped playing. But the desire for play, certainly on the fantasy sports and sports betting side, doesn't go away. We were producing anything we possibly could. So we went back and we were running fantasy sports on Madden competitions and getting a few thousand players a night on that. The really interesting story is Ukrainian table tennis, because of protocols and the distance between players, was the one sport in the world that kept going. And we were doing 20 million a month in handle on Ukrainian table tennis because there was wow. nothing else. To Just understanding real money gamers and real money gaming intimately and understanding how they always want a piece of the action. I knew that 24-7 offerings for fantasy and sports betting were really important, but that really put an exclamation point on We had lots of conversations in that time of, Dave, can we launch now? Is there any way that we can launch a sliver of this product? And it just wasn't ready. It's got to be perfect. This is this really is a AAA game, a AAA quality gaming experience. It looks beautiful. It plays beautiful. And, and you can always get action. We had to wait for those worlds to come together. And I think they're doing so in an incredible fashion. Nice. Now, I lived in Massachusetts for six years, so I'm familiar with fantasy sports and especially the American version of fantasy sports because there's just nothing like it. Like, I've lived in Ireland, I've lived in South Korea, and where I live right now in Taiwan, like, nothing compares to fantasy football season in America with your friends and stuff that goes on. Tom, what are you guys hoping to get out of this? Like, how are you hoping to elevate that fantasy sports experience that you get on game day or Sundays at your friends' houses or that group Snapchats that everyone's playing and talking about, oh, this and drafting people? Like, what's the elevated experience that you guys are bringing? Sure. Not only do we deliver it year-round, so there's no off-season. So when I say 24-7, 365, I don't mean you can just input any time of year. There's a, there is football action going on the screen 
24 7 365 so you can get paid out in the middle of the summer even though the players aren't even in training camp yet and not affected by pandemics not affected by labor disputes not affected by off seasons nothing so that's the real promise there However, on the NFT side of things, it really brings a different element to it because our teams are NFTs themselves. The players in the universe are NFTs themselves. Their training elements are NFTs themselves. So as a fan, when you come to our site, you can purchase a, a, an NFT pack. And in that pack, you get a player, you get a gym, you get some training aids, you get a trainer and, and some training supplements. That player, of course, all of these things have different rarities and everything, right? So that player might be a, a common player. It might be a superstar. It might be the equivalent of Tom Brady right out of the pack. <laughs> and as soon as your player is drafted, you start earning a salary for that player coming from the team in our token. So you literally, it's one of the very, very few projects where you can hold your NFT and still pull money out of the system without selling your asset. And as, as everyone knows, like the key to, to success in crypto and NFT is getting people to hold on to it so that the values go up. So that's how we do it is it's legally, it is not a dividend, but your NFT player is earning a check depending on their performance. They can earn performance bonuses. They can sign sponsorships in our metaverse. They get a cut of the fantasy revenues. Actually, it's funny. I've always worked with athletes my whole career. And if you mention fantasy sports around an athlete, most of them will be like, Oh, I don't play with that. It doesn't make any money. I don't care. Like people always want to talk about it. It doesn't make any sense. We actually took that and said, what if it did make sense? And so our NFT players earn more of the fantasy pot, the more that they are drafted onto fantasy teams. Uh, so the more popular you are, the more you'll be drafted, the more you make from the ecosystem. So again, what really changes is, is that the fans that are watching and playing can actually own a piece of this league and pull out revenue profits as their players perform. And on the team side, it's very similar. We have a lot of very famous Hall of Fame level team owners like Magic Johnson and Tracy McGrady, Penny Hardaway, Jerry Rice, Marshall Falk, Mike Singletary, Dr. Jen Walters, the first female NFL coach, Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys, just lots of really interesting people with very different backgrounds own these teams. And we're selling these teams for multi-millions of dollars now. But the reason it makes sense for these people to get involved is because they actually, in the same way that the players make money without selling the assets, and the same way the NFL or the NBA or FIFA or whoever works, as the value of the league is going up, the value of the team is going up, but the owners are actually sharing in the revenue that the league makes throughout. So team owners, number one, they can sell part of their team fractionally over time to defray the cost of their team up front, like the Green Bay Packers or having investors in a, in a real world sports team. But then also they share in our broadcast and streaming rights. They share in all of our official product sponsors, official soda, official beer, pizza, QS, quick serve retail, like any of those types of things. These owners share in that revenue. They share in the revenue from our secondary NFT marketplace. They, they own about 75% of the advertising in in their stadiums so they can go sell that locally uh and not only is that really cool from david and i really put in some of the very first in-game sponsorships ever into ea sports games with madden nfl specifically uh way back when in the early 2000s and we really grew that technology so that we could change the advertising dynamically over time and with this not only do we change the 
the advertising dynamically through all 64 of our stadiums, but we can actually target a segment and target our advertising. So if we have one game, one stream going out and there's 100,000 people watching it, we might have 800 variations of advertising going out on the same stream based on the region you're in or your demographic or your team fandom or whatever that might be. So it's pretty exciting. The league mimics all of the aspects of a real world with player contracts and the, like I said, the advertising and the concessions and the training and all those different things, but it puts it in the people's hands. It's a very different experience. It's never been attempted before in any way, shape or form. And looking at the blockchain gaming as it's been, this is a, a leap forward to AAA quality gaming in the metaverse. That's totally impressive. One thing I have to say is it's so nice. Like you can go to some win sports, but it's just like a listening to you explain it all. It just blows my mind in a sense. We're pre-release and so we'll have lots of videos and everything explaining it. It's not, I can't go to everybody's house to explain it. Before we're ready to launch all the explainer videos and all that great stuff will be up there, but we're just putting the finishing touches on the game before we start creating a lot of that stuff. Nice. You mentioned pre-release, like, is there like a estimated release time that people listening to this podcast, watching the YouTube video can be like, oh my God. I'm going to mark this down in my calendar. When is that period of time that you could say, okay. Yeah, so we're in our alpha phase right now. So I would think November, we should be public facing and taking real money. The NFT side of things, we're actually going to wait a little while before we start dropping the NFT players, just so that people really understand like what this league is about. This league is about 24-7 fantasy competition. The NFTs are certainly, it's an exciting element but they're really there just to unlock the ownership for fans. So we want to get the league up and running and get that all optimized as far as acquisition and our contest structures and all those kinds of things. And then we'll bring in the NFT ownership. Within a month or two after that, I would think we'll be dropping NFTs, but it's all speculative. And like I said, it's alpha for a reason. So you can't really concrete put a date on it, but it's in that realm. Okay, yeah, and totally understandable. I have to ask at least one crypto question today, despite me wanting to ask other stuff, but you mentioned a blockchain, you mentioned a token. I, I was wondering, like, what blockchain I have you built on top of and on what token were you talking about before? So we are, we're chain agnostic and we have not named our launch partner yet. So we do have actually two tokens in our system now. One is a stable coin just to use as basically as fiat, just to enter contests and all those kinds of things. But then the the other coin that you're actually paid in is a really interesting mix because not only is it backed by a treasury that we're selling investments in right now institutionally, but the treasury is going to continually be fed by the ecosystem of resale of NFTs, of original sale of NFTs, of resale of teams, et cetera. So we take a port of the revenues and continually push it back into the treasury so that we ensure that we're building value in that coin uh, over the long term. So it's a very unique system. And uh, like I said, it's there to fuel the gameplay and the basic experience, uh, but it offers all the opportunities that other crypto projects do. Just we're, we're rooted so much in utility that uh, protects us from a lot of the ups and downs of many of these markets. When I got into the space and just look getting into crypto gaming last year, like what you guys are doing or at least attempting to do is just there's nothing else like it. Some of the things I want to ask. So like this is I watched looked at some content about Simwin Sports and I definitely see the football. So 
have you like partnered with the NFL and like in the future, are you just focusing on America for the moment? Is there going to be Simwin sports cricket? Is there going to be, like you said, Ukrainian table tennis at some point in the future? This is an international business from day one. We're starting with U.S. football because it's one of the most difficult to make from a video game standpoint, just because the complexity of, of movement and interaction between individual players, like from the video game side, it's challenging. And it's also, it's what David and I have worked on for our entire careers, right? I've worked on all sports. David's worked on a ton of different sports, but he spent over half a decade in, in charge of the technology of Madden NFL. So he really understands football games from the inside out. So that's where we started. We'll be following up pretty quickly with basketball and soccer. And then we do have a full stash of future sports that we aren't announced that we're involved in yet. But yes, very international slate. And we understand the appeal of, of Web3 gaming is international. And so we've got to start there and be there. Also, quite a bit of our investment comes internationally as well. It's a priority for us. Nice. I think I, I've thrown out my questions out the window pretty much. We've gone in a different order, but it's nice. I like natural conversations, Tom. One of the things I wanted to ask, so you've mentioned November. People have written down on their calendars. I've written it down with my left hand so I can remember this because this is exciting. I'm a new player. I'm I, I'm like, okay, I've listened to this video. I've watched Tom on the Unknown Podcast. I'm like, this is exciting. I've come to November. What is the process for somebody like, okay, they come to someone's sports. What are they doing? Like you mentioned buying a player, or is what's the process for them to get sure. started? The fantasy process I'll describe very quickly. So number one, I need to explain, we've talked a little bit about sports betting. We are not a sports betting company. We are not a casino. Uh, we run fantasy for our customers uh, as a first party. And then we license our data just like the NFL or the IPL or whoever licensed their data out to Sportsbook to fuel sports betting. Okay, so I wanna be very clear about that. On the fantasy side, we work exactly like the existing fantasy companies that are out there, FanDuel, DraftKings, whoever that is. You come in, you look at all the contests that are available for that immediate time. You decide how much you want to spend on an entry fee based on the competition that's out there, and you choose your lineup and you go. There is another element of gameplay that has not been seen before, and that is in-play fantasy. And so in this world, what you do is you, it's like a poker tournament. You pay an entry fee, you get X amount of chips, and then you make predictions on what's going to happen next in the game. So for American football, that might be, is the play going to go left, right, or center? Or is it going to be a run or a pass? Or uh, all the way down to who's going to get the ball and what's the result of the play going to be? How many yards are they going to gain or lose? Are they going to score, et cetera, et cetera. All done on a play-by-play basis with dynamic odds. So you're sitting there watching this contest and predicting what's going to happen next in the contest. No one's done it before. No one's tried it before in this format. And it's really exciting. And then it's paid off. So you are using your chips to compete on a leaderboard and we pay out against the leaderboard depending on whatever the contest structure is. That's on the fantasy side. On the NFT side, when it does become available later this year, you Purchase a pack of NFTs. And again, I said in an NFT pack, a standard pack, you get one player, a gym, a couple training stations, a trainer, and some training supplements. Now, before your player is drafted onto a team, you are in charge of training your player. And so all of those elements, like I said, have different schemes of rarity. So a common gym might only have room for two training stations, and a rare gym might have room for 40. And those training stations, you can think of them as like a treadmill or a squat rack in a very simple form. But then in the more complex forms, they'll be very position specific. So there might be 
a quarterback throwing accuracy drill that can fit in. But again, in the common gyms, you can only fit two. And in the big giant gyms, you can do a whole bunch. So then your training station slot into your gym. And so you can train your player up with all these different elements. You can go through the marketplace and buy, sell, trade to get things that are appropriate for your player specifically, depending on what position they play and what you want to train them to do. And then there's the trainer element. So just uh, like you and me, I can go to the gym by myself and work out and I get X amount of benefit. But if I'm with my trainer, I'm probably going to get a lot more benefit out of the time with somebody looking over my shoulder and, you know, correcting, making sure I have perfect form and those kinds of things. So that's the trainers are a bonus multiplier when you are training your player. And then the same thing with training supplements. So supplements might give you more energy so you can train longer, more focus, so you can get more out of it. There's several different entities there. So before the player is drafted, you train your own player. And of course, you can put your player back on the NFT marketplace at any time. So I might, as an entrepreneur, I might try to buy a bunch of players and train them up and then sell my trained players on the NFT marketplace for more than I purchased them for, assumedly. And then they become drafted. And that's when the whole revenue thing starts kicking in and you start getting your salary, sponsorships, performance bonuses, all those kinds of things. But the biggest opportunity for training is before they are drafted, before your NFT player is drafted, but then also in between seasons, there will be a short gap of, you know, a week or two where we'll be open for training your players that are already in the league as well. So it's, it's definitely an interesting ecosystem. It's more of a coaching simulator, I think, than really any other on the sticks experience for winning 11 or whatever. But uh, like I said, it's just, it's not been seen and certainly not been seen with these revenue streams. Nice. That explains it and it makes it concrete in my mind. So are the two, and again, I'll emphasize it as well, as you said, you guys are not a sports betting company. You're licensing out your data. Is the betting part and the NFT part, are they linked together? If you are betting, do you have to get NFTs? Or if you do get NFTs, do you have to bet? No, they're two. They're really like, whenever we're explaining this, I really say it's two different sizes of the business. Okay. There's the whole NFT side. And you can jump into that. And that's more kind of RPG as you're developing your player, investing in these players and understanding where they are in their career. And then there's the fantasy sports side that you just drop in and play whenever you want. And there is no need for crossover between those two worlds in any way. Okay, nice. And you mentioned like selling your players, right? Like you spend your time, you train them, you sell them. Are you guys, is your NFT system in a closed system or can somebody sell stuff on OpenSea or some of the other places, or are you just going to keep it together in your system? We have the ability to sell openly. We are still working on all of our partnerships across the board. So we're talking to all the big players and we'll start in a closed system, but we have the ability to expand and for the right partnerships. Nice. That's cool. That's also great to know. And one of the things, like you said, so much exciting stuff. There's so much stuff I could ask. I told a bunch of our community members like, oh, this guy's coming on and your history spoke for itself. Like, how do you guys get Magic Johnson and all these famous players, sports players and the Backstreet Boy? How do you sure. get them all into this system? These are modern athletes, right? Like yeah. Magic Johnson created the mold of being a businessman as well, as well as an athlete. And that's why you're seeing like LeBron and Jordan and Tiger and all these guys becoming billionaires even while they're still actively playing. That would never happen in the old days. The modern athlete understands that they need to be building businesses and knowing what's next in their career from day one. LaMelo Ball is a great example. Another one of our owners, probably the most exciting young 
player in the league, I would think, as he's coming off his rookie season and his Rookie of the Year award. And he's an owner here now, as well as he uh, an energy drink going. He's got all these different businesses going beyond just simple sponsors you know, his Puma shoe deal and, and those types of things. For athletes, the modern athlete is very open to business opportunities. They're pitched con- constantly. And it's one of those things where both David and I have worked our entire career in sports. So we know a lot of athletes and have built trust over 30 years each. And so you get a couple and then they start recruiting more and recruiting more. I, I believe Tracy McGrady was the first kind of superstar to buy in and he was the one that came up and said, hey, can I bring Jerry Rice into this? And we said, sure. Now the things, it's interesting over time, we started very much focused on these professional athletes, but over time, we are selling more and more towards institutional um, entities, none of which are announced yet, so I can't quite share them, but these companies that own a ton of different brands, they see the advertising value. They know they want to be involved in Web3 and Metaverse, and they see the ad value if your company owns 50 different brands, then you don't have to sell your stadium advertising. You get the advertising and give it to your own bands for free. And it's just a very unique opportunity. And the same is true with some of some of our owners themselves, too. So Jerry Rice, like his team is based in Mississippi, as Jerry's from Mississippi, but he's the Mississippi. Mississippi Goats, because they call him the greatest of all time, obviously, but <laughs> his energy drink is called Goat Fuel. And so the logo is very much inspired by the Goat Fuel logo. His team uniforms are the same colors as Goat Fuel cans, those kinds of things. So they're seeing the marketing opportunity as well as the revenue opportunity. And it's a familiar world to them because, you know, a lot of these guys are involved in Magic specifically is involved in professional sports team ownership as a part owner of uh, the Dodgers, LAFC, the LA Sparks. He's a mogul. For him to own teams in Simwin, it's just, it's an honor and a pleasure for us. But the real honor is the fact that he sees the value in this business uh, enough to invest, to buy teams and then be an advisor to us as well. So he's helped us a lot. Tom, something just came to mind. One of the things I, like when I moved to Massachusetts and I watched baseball and hockey and football for the first time, I'm like, this is cool. And I remember living in America and I was in my teens and my a lot of my friends were like, oh my God, football season's over. I really want to watch football, but there's no football to watch. As like someone, I'm living in Taiwan right now. At some point in the future, can I watch Simon games without betting or buying an NFT? Can I say, okay, I love this NFT team or this metaverse team. I want to support them. And then maybe in the future I buy in. Is that a possibility? From day one. Yes. So we are, we're a streamed entertainment product. So any connected device anywhere in the world, you can watch, you can watch and play if you're in regulated territories, excuse me, but uh, yeah, you can watch from anywhere. Tune in anytime. There'll be for football. There'll be 12 games a day. Wow. Uh, The games last about an hour, between an hour and a half. So that gives us 30 to 45 minutes to build some shoulder programming. Tell you, talk about the game that's coming up next Caps some of the games that you may have missed out on overnight. But again, if you can watch it three in the morning, there'll be a live game that you've never seen before going. So that's all sports everywhere in the world, any connected device. Nice. I was thinking, I was listening to another podcast the other day. They were talking about how like Apple bought like the NFL Sunday ticket, I believe, or, or was like a Friday thing. It's on Apple TV and people like, oh, the announcers suck. How does announcing work? Is it like the very much the sort of automated computer stuff that you might get in a Madden game? Or do you have real announcers or is it pre recorded lens? There, there is no automated announcing at, at all. So we're in the process of working out our exact team, but there will be different approaches at different times of the day. 
Obviously, somebody that's tuning in at prime time, 8 p.m., wherever you are in the world, might expect a more polished experience than 3 a.m. We have lots of discussions going with uh, quite a few different media companies. But the one thing I'll say is that our broadcast will reflect who the real competition is, which is what takes place in your home. Rather than just calling the action on the field, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck might on a Dallas Cowboys game here in the States, two guys in suits staring into a camera lens. Um, this is really more about, hey, here's what's going on in the field. Here's what's going on the leaderboards. Here's an interesting pick that I see on DraftKings Sportsbook, potentially even bringing in via Zoom the guys at the top of the fantasy leaderboard or the famous coaches that are coaching in the game at that, that moment. So really a more dynamic experience. But the thing for me is that is driving kind of the creative aspect of that is we have to reflect the competition and not just the video game that you're watching. So that's everything involved. That's the NFTs. It's the fantasy. It's the owners. It's really all of it. And so that's an interesting opportunity there for us to be able to reflect something larger than this, just what's going on in the field. And it's going to feel different than traditional sports broadcast because of that, because no one's really attempting to do that. Tom, I have to go here. I work in crypto. I've been in crypto since 2017. This has been a thing in American media, which I read a lot, not just in American media, pretty much in the world, is there is a certain aversion to NFTs as a person who plays computer games, as just regular people. We've seen it in New York Times and a bunch of other places. Is there a plan for you guys to say, hey, while there are NFTs, this isn't so bad. This is a chance for you to do something else. Are you just planning to sell the utility and say, hey, this is all this awesome utility, which is why it's not just an ordinary moonbird or... Of course. Yeah. Yeah, NFT is about ownership. It's not about collecting. It's about ownership. And that's the future of NFTs and Web3 technology. But coming from a traditional video game background, and you said you're a gamer yourself, there's nothing that we don't see in any open world game here. It's just... The fact that you can own something that is highly unique and you can trade it and profit from that in a way that traditional video games haven't been able to. We all understand scarcity schemes. We all understand super weapons. We understand the value of skins. Uh, my sons play Fortnite like crazy <laughs> and I spend hundreds of dollars on skins and I'm like, but they don't change how you play. What is going on here, guys? They're like, we don't care. We have to have an exhibition. <laughs> so it's whether we want to acknowledge its value or not, uh, gamers value scarcity and being different and individualism online. The NFT component for us unlocks that value for them in such a meaningful way because the value isn't just for my own fun. I can make a collection. I can sell the whole collection for, you know, X amount multiplier. Or if I get something I don't like, I can immediately turn around and sell it and keep in the game trying to get to an asset that I do want that does does something for my players. Again, as you said, because it is so rooted in utility, I think this design, and to David and the team's credit, is really unlocking the power of Web3 and showing you what Web3 gaming is going to look like in the future. Yes. Tom, I don't want to keep you for too long. The question I always like to round off any show that I do is, is pretty much, you've talked about all this exciting stuff coming November, NFTs later after that. 2023 is not very far away. Um, is there the there ideas you can share about what things you guys want to accomplish in 2023? Uh, again, not concrete because it is next year, sure. but something that, that, that can get people excited about. It's about stabilizing the community first, right? Get this, get American football up, running, solid, work out all the kinks that we know will come in any early product. And then we move on to basketball and soccer. 
those are dramatically different challenges. Basketball being an, an international sport, uh, certainly much more than football, and then soccer being a purely international sport, it's much larger other places in the world than it is in the U.S. I'm speaking from a very North American-centric uh, <laughs> voice today, uh, so I apologize for that. The efforts as far as selling teams and finding the international celebrities all over the world with a sport like soccer that is popular in every single country in the world. Okay, now we go crack Bollywood and we go to all the different entertainment sects all over the world, not just sports, but all of entertainment. And, you know, cracking those markets is going to be an interesting challenge, but we're connected to the right people. And we've got a great start with what we're doing here in the States. And many of our owners are international celebrities already and so we're leveraging their networks to make the right connections and just make this a really fun worldwide business that is available 24 7. i was like thinking like you've, you've had so much experience you've done so much in your life and i'm like i was going to ask you what brought you out of retirement i can see this is a very good reason why it brought you out of retirement especially with the chance to work with my buddy of three times. I'm, we've been working together for 20 years across three companies now. And I knew that he was going to deliver quality and, and yeah, I got room for one more rocket ship. <laughs> Hell yeah. Tom, thanks so much for your time today. I have all of Sewin's sports and socials, Twitter and that sort of stuff. They'll be in the podcast. They'll be in the show notes. Do you have a Twitter that people can follow? Would you want to share that or just direct people to Sewin Sports? I just go to Sewin Sports or, or find me on LinkedIn. Sure. No problem. Then I will share those links today. And uh, thanks again. And then everyone keep an eye out for November. And uh, hopefully we can get you on next year when you guys are doing basketball or going to India, as you suggested, maybe doing 2020 cricket. That's really big over there. That would be really cool. I love, I miss cricket love so much. Yes. Thanks, Thank you. Take care. And you guys make sure you, you follow Simon Sports. That's all we have time for today, folks. I and everyone at Amun really appreciate you stopping by. Please don't forget to follow us on social media, Twitter at Amun, A-M-U-N, Telegram at Amun Tokens, or stop by our Discord and join in the conversation. If you are Chinese speaking, we now have a Telegram group just for you, Amun Tokens CN. We are also on Reddit at r slash Amun Tokens. Amun also puts out a monthly newsletter with the latest insights on the crypto market. You can sign up for that wonderful piece of writing on the bottom of our homepage. If you're looking for a place to call home, there's nothing better than the Amun community. Looking forward to chatting with you and see you guys next time.